You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. Today we're going to dive into chapter 9, and we're going to talk about the aspect of what God wants to do, and I'm going to lead it up to this natural consequence of when you find out what you want to be known for, and it actually goes along with what you're known for, okay? So here's what I want you to catch. Starting off, most of us enter with a very warped sense of what we want. Like if I was to talk to you, even right now in the middle of the pandemic, I would tell you to be careful what you're praying for. Because in our earthly time, a lot of times we want God to restore something. When in reality is, is God doesn't want to restore it. He wants to renew it. Like there's some things that you want God to restore back to where it was. And the reality is, is God's saying, that, that, that's not, I got something more for you. I don't want to restore something to where it was. I want to renew it. Restore something is what you do with old cars. You know, it's something that's like, hey, I want to take this old car. I want to preserve it. I'd like for it to have the, the natural, like what it came with and the manufacturing stuff. And like, wow, this is cool. It's a piece of history. That's great for old cars, but it's terrible for life. I think most of us enter a lot of the things that we're struggling with with a wrong perspective in that we want God and we actually pray for God to restore different things in our life and we're wondering why God's not moving us in that direction and the reality is is because God doesn't want to restore something in you because some of the stuff you want him to restore wasn't very helpful to begin with. In fact, some of the things that you want him to restore is some of the reasons why you may be in the situation that you're in right now. But now renewing, that's something totally different, right? So let's dive into God's word and let's look at a story where Jesus encounters a blind man and let's talk a little bit more about what it means to actually see the process of renewing something. Now I'm gonna give you a little helpful hint. I want you to know that the first step in seeing God renew things in your life and to see God be bigger than you and do the miraculous in your life is a commitment that you have to make. It's the most important commitment of all. When God moves, who's getting the credit? When God does something amazing, who's the one that's going to be glorified and put on the pedestal? If you read John so far, if you're going to dive into it, one of the things you're going to see very quickly is one of the things that Jesus wanted to be known for was that he was obeying his father. That he was just the messenger. He was there just to glorify his father. So with that being said, let's talk about this a little bit out of chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 1 starts out with this very simple verse. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, now listen to this question. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I believe most of us, including myself, our biggest issue in spiritual growth, our biggest issue in moving forward, our biggest issue in what we want to be known for and what we're actually known for is we start with the wrong perspective and false truths. The question they asked Jesus was they saw a man who was blind from birth And they immediately associate it because of what they've been told. Well, somebody sinned. Somebody's messed up. 
This man was born blind from birth because of something that he or his parents did. And they asked Jesus, which one is it that messed up? Was it because of something that he did or something that his parents did? I think a lot of times you guys, including myself, go through life, and when you look at some of the tough things that hit you in life, you immediately think it's because of something that you're doing. You immediately think that I've done something wrong, so therefore God's punishing me. Like there's something that has happened in my life, so therefore God's punishing me. Don't mishear me. I do believe there's consequences to actions. But I want you to understand that sometimes in life, the consequences to your actions is not God trying to bring you back or to restore you. It's just the fact that sometimes there's consequences to action. And there's other times that you're gonna find yourself in a situation not because of anything that you've done, your parents done, somebody before you has done. You're gonna find yourself in a situation because of how Jesus is fixing to answer this question to his disciples. So let's look at how he answered. The very next verse, verse three. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. The first step in starting the process of being renewed by God is to understand that sometimes you're in a situation because God's setting you up to put on display exactly who he is in people's lives. Like sometimes... Choices have been made, consequences have been had, but sometimes it didn't have anything to do with you, but God's setting you up so that you can display just how amazing God is and how powerful his works are, and you can show people exactly who God is in your life. That's the reason why I said a minute ago there's a very important first step to any of this. The first thing you have to do is you have to make a commitment that God, if you'll move, I promise I'm gonna give you all the glory and I'm gonna point everybody to you. Like that is one of the first keys to unlocking this authority that Pastor Sam and the worship team was talking about. When I open up my mouth, miracles start pouring out because I have the authority. A part of unlocking that authority in Christ is unlocking yourself to be put underneath who's gonna be glorified with his Jesus. Do you know why Jesus was able to do so many signs when he was walking around on this earth? It was about a 200-mile radius. Well, obviously, the, the, the correct answer is twofold. Number one, he could do those because he was fully man and fully God. But the second follow-up to that is because who he was glorifying through doing those signs and miracles. The reason why he's performing those miracles is so that many would believe in his Father. Not believe in him, but believe in the Father that had sent him. And I ask this question to you. When you talk about what you want to be known for and then what you're actually known for, how much of that is based on what you're going to be lifted up and glorified as and how much is going to be based on how you're going to show God's works in your life? So see, they they started with the wrong starting point. I put that in there because I know where we're going at the end. So just put that like in the back of your mind. Starting points are huge. Having the right perspective is huge. If you start out going the wrong way, no matter how well you're trying to get to a certain place in your life, it's very hard to get there. 
if I load up in my van and I've got my crew and we're all crammed in there and we got luggage on top and luggage in back and dragging luggage behind us because we're a large family and we say, hey, we're going to go to Florida. It doesn't matter how bad we want to get to Florida. If we get on 75 and go north, guess what we're never going to do? We're not going to make it to Florida. No matter how much I want to do that, if I start out with the wrong perspective, I'm never going to get there. So can I go to the next step? This is what Amy Lou showed me. And I thought, man, this is good. So Jesus gets involved in verse 6. Having said these things, in other words, talking about this work of God. Having said these things, he sped on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. And he said to him, go and wash the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Now, I just want to break down in one simple verse, verse 6 and 7, a little bit of 7, three things that you, if you're making columns, write a column that says Jesus, and then write a column that says you. I think in the process of being renewed, as we're trying to figure out what God is, is wanting us to do, as we're trying to figure out what we want to be known for, and how do we make that parallel to what we're actually known for, I think we need to understand there's two different people that are in authority in our lives, and we need to understand what he does to make sure we don't try to be God in our life, and then understand what we do. The first thing that Jesus does is he starts the process of making something new. Before he renewed this man, you know what the first thing he did? He did something that nobody's ever done. He spat in the dirt and made mud. He created something that was completely new and had never been done before. Rabbit trail real quick. You're fooling yourself if you think God's desire for you is the same as everybody else. When God gets involved in your life, he creates something totally new and totally unique for you. Now, it may have some similarities to somebody else, to somebody else's story, but the reality is if we get into the details of our life, God is so for you that he's consumed with the details and he is so big that he's able to take literally the thousands upon thousands upon millions of people that come into a right relationship with him through all of time and with each individual, he creates something extremely new to start the process of healing them. In this man, it was mud pies for his eye. But Jesus literally knew exactly where he was at, was in the middle of this, this dirt road, and he said, wait a minute, and he made something new with his spit. So not only does the first step is that God will be in the process of making something new for you, then listen to the second thing he does. He makes something very new, the mud pies, then he anoints. He anoints the man's eyes with the mud. I want you to understand something that most of you totally think you don't have the ability to do. God is still in the process of anointing his people. For some of you, you think that there is something that's happened in your life and it's disqualified you from ever having an anointing on your life or a calling on your life. Can I go back to that first question? Who sinned, him or his parents? Listen to me. You're starting with the wrong perspective. You're wanting to go to Florida, and you're jumping on 75, and you're going north towards Canada. And you're wondering why it's getting colder and not warmer. 
You're like, wow, it's kind of pretty up here. I mean, geez, there's a lot of snow, but just doesn't feel right. Wake up and understand that not only does God want to do something new, make something new, but not only does he want to make something new, he wants to apply that newness to your life, and he wants to anoint you with it. So as you're starting to try to figure out what do I want to be known for, and what am I actually known for? If you're what you want to be known for is the same old thing that you've talked about for the last 20 years, you may want to stop and ask a different question. But Jesus, in the process of renewing people and being for people, he makes something new and he anoints them. But then there's a third step. In verse 7, he says, Go wash in the pool of Siloam which means sin. See, not only does God make something brand new when he's in the process of working, and not only does he anoint, but Jesus' response is always to send you to something more. Like as you're thinking through your life, if it ever it leads to you being stagnant or stuck, I promise that's not God working in your life. God is always in the process of sending you and moving you forward. Like that should be a red flag for you. If you ever feel in your life like you're stuck or not moving forward, then I promise there's a real good chance you're not doing what God's calling you to do. Because there's never a time that God is not in the process of moving you forward. In fact, one of the scriptures you hear me say a lot in James, even when you face various trials, He says, consider it pure joy because in that is the perfection or the reassurance of your faith. So even in the tough times, we can still move forward. And so I want you to simply ask this question. Am I finding myself in this process of pursuing God? Am I finding myself being renewed to something new, having anointing to do something different, and a command and willingness to go and do something about it? I want to say this very lovingly and very kindly. Nowhere in God's word do I see him move in a mighty, miraculous way. And he says, now just stay where you are. Like this whole thing was for you only. I'm doing this in your life because just for you. Not for anybody else. I want you to stay exactly where you are, and never do anything again. Well, Jesus, again, if you're taking notes, Jesus' three comments in this journey, if we're talking about renewal, is he's the one that makes something new, he's the one that does the anointing, and he's the one that does the sending. So the question is, well, what do we do? If that's what Jesus does and that's something I desire, then where's my response? Well, let's get back into God's word. Are you ready? The very next verse. At the end, actually, of verse 7. So, talking about the blind man, he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors, those who had seen him before as a beggar, were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is, it is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes open? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. Now, I'm going to give you something that I think about. This is Mickey's just warped mind. 
Realize he doesn't receive sight until he gets to the pool. If you were to do a little bit of research, if you had a study Bible, it would kind of be there at the bottom. It will talk a little bit about where this pool may have been located, right outside the Temple Mount. But realize this is a blind man trying to get to a pool that he's never seen. He's trying to go somewhere that he may or may not have never been. But he doesn't let, because things get hard, keep him from doing what he knows God's called him to do. But I would think he would require help from others. I don't know physically how it would have been possible unless Jesus' spirit literally guided and led him, which is a possibility. But most scholars would tell you that he probably left that place and got somebody to help him on this journey to get to this pool to wash this mud off. And after he washed the mud off, then he received sight. Don't you know that the trip back to Jesus was a miraculous walk? Don't you know he was walking and seeing this amazing temple and Solomon's porch and all of this city. And he's like, whoa, it's better than I ever imagined. And he's seeing all these people. And ironically, the blind man is looking for Jesus. Who has healed him, but yet he's never seen him. Just put that in the back of your mind for a minute. How can you find somebody that you've never seen? I'll give you a hint. Because there's been a time that you've encountered him. But that's not the three things I want you to focus on. You ready? The three things I want you to focus on. Here's your response. If Jesus wants to renew something in your life, he's going to be the one that creates something new, not you. He's going to be the one that anoints you, not you. And he's going to come in and go do something. Your response, threefold. Are you ready? Threefold, the first thing that you've got to do, and I wrote this down in my notes, is number one, you've got to obey. The first response of moving forward in your life with God, just like this story, is you know what the man did? He went. He didn't say, oh, but you know, Jesus, I'm blind. I, mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but i got some limitations. Like, I don't know if you've realized this, but... Uh, like, am I going to look weird walking through here? I mean, you just put, like, mud spit on my eyes. I mean, like, I'm kind of worried what people are going to think about me. Like, like I, was, I was making the gothic movement before gothic movement was ever gothic because I've got, like, this mud pie around my eyes and my mascara is kind of running. Like, you know, I'm the, I'm the biblical origination of Alex Cooper. I'm worried what people are going to think. I don't know how to get there. I need, he didn't worry about it. You know what he did? He went. His first response was to obey. The second thing he did, and I believe this is where most of us in the room are, he received. Not only did he go, but he also trusted in God and he received the anointing that God had on his life. He went to the pool and he received his sight back. I think for a lot of us in this room, we have unbelievable expectations. The problem is we have a low effort level. And a part of that effort level is we just don't believe that God really wants to use us. And I want you to know that what God wants in your life is for you to understand just how great he is, just how powerful you are, just how much he wants to renew and make something greater, just how much he wants to anoint if you will simply obey and you will receive what it is he has for your life. But then the last part is not only did the guy obey, not only did he receive, but naturally, and you guys will probably know the answer to this part because you've seen it happen. 
he immediately starts telling the story. He immediately starts telling the story because what he just experienced is worth telling. Have you ever seen somebody like that? That God does something amazing in their life and it's like every time you get with them, they just can't help but to tell the story? Sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating, can't it? Because you wonder like, why? well, I want a story. I want to be able to talk about Christ. I want to be able to talk about these things. But I want you to understand that there's two ways that he tells the story. The scriptures that I just read, verses 8 all the way through verse 11 that you saw on the screen, there's two ways that you're going to tell your story. The first is that people are going to see you being different than the way they first remembered you. You know, there was this debate going on about these neighbors. They said, is this not the, the blind man? I mean, and some people said, yeah, it's him. And others said, well, it kind of looks like him. And before he ever opened his mouth, you know what? He physically let them understand without saying a word because the change was obvious in his life. But then there's a part where he opened up his mouth. And listen to what his words were. I am that man. You know what some of you guys struggle with, including myself? We don't want to like to identify with what our past was. We want to hide our past. We want to hide the troubles we've went through. We want to hide the struggles we've went through. We don't want people to know some of the things that we may have had in our life. And a part of telling the story of who God is and how amazing God is in your life and how he renews you is, you know what? They need to understand what you've come through. And this man didn't run from the fact that he was that man that was blind, that was a beggar. He says, yes, I am that man. Well, I'm not going to read the rest of these scriptures right after it, but I'll give you a little bit of a synopsis leading up to a couple other scriptures, and I'll be done. But then there's a big debate. The Pharisees and the scribes get involved, and they start going, wait a minute, what in the world's going on? We want to know what's going on. Who was it that did this? Who did this? And the blind man's saying, I don't know. It's this man named Jesus. He anointed my eyes. And they're like, well, where is he? I don't know. They're having this big debate, and the Pharisees are trying to do this, and they're having this debate about, you know, does this man have the ability to do this? Is he possessed by demons? Is he a sinner? Is there something that he has? Is he doing demonic things? And I want you to listen to how the blind man responds. It shows up in verse 25. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. I don't know why we have it so much in our gut that as humans we have to explain everything that's in our lives. Like in our faith, we have to explain everything that's in our working faith. When the reality is, is, is Mickey, tell me, tell me about your life. Was it this? Was it that? Listen, here's the one thing I know. I was on a path of destruction making some poor decisions. And just like this blind man, though I may not have been physically blind, I was blinding in the things that I was getting involved in and where I was going. But through Jesus Christ, my eyes were opened and I started to understand for the very first time and to see what it meant to have life and have life more abundantly. Well, as you can imagine, <laughs> these Pharisees, they didn't really take good to this. 
They start having this argument in verses 30 through 33. They're starting to really kind of argue, saying, are you here to teach us? Are you here to tell us these things? And listen to what he says. This is the blind man. The man answered, why this is an amazing thing, you do not know where he comes from, and yet open up my eyes. And yet he opened up my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it ever been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He literally starts teaching them. These are the religious leaders that are supposed to know everything. He literally starts teaching them something greater than their own knowledge. And he's trying to use the factual things that have happened in his life to let them understand exactly what's going on. But here's what I want you to catch. That, that principle of the four movement. When you're for the right things, when you want to be known for the right things, you're going to find those things end up being for you. If you're wanting to figure out what do I want to be known for, and for it to match up with what you're actually known for, can I give you a little helpful hint? The things that you really want to be known for if you were to stop today and listen and think through it, you're going to find out they've been for you the whole time. See, that's the, the synopsis of this amazing story. Jesus, being for the blind man, not only heals him, but the blind man goes on a journey from Jesus being for him that now the blind man's for Jesus. You're not going to see the scripture on the screen, but Ironically enough, remember what I started with with that question? Verse 34, here's how the, the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people, reacted. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. See, the thing that jumped off my page as I was reading through this is the Pharisees and the scribes showed their hand at the end of this story of where the false perspective came from. It started out with, with who sinned? This man or his parents? And Jesus said, oh no, neither one of them sinned. It's so that God could be glorified. God's works could be glorified in him. And at the end, when the blind man is telling them about this Jesus, telling them about what's going on, all of a sudden they revert back. What to that lie? But you've born in utter sin. Are you gonna sit there and try to teach us? Listen to me, last thing, and I'm done. Some of your misperceptions, getting on 75, going to Florida, but going north, will still show their ugly heads as you go on this journey. Like some of the people in your life that have poured some things into you that are not the right things are still gonna keep pouring the wrong things into you. But what you've gotta figure out is what's the right thing. We call it the second step of our vision. We want you to know God, and we want you to find freedom. I wish I could tell you that the biggest thing that we've encountered in three years of Crossroads was something that's kind of a novelty, that's kind of cool, that really sounds great, and it's amazing. But I'm going to tell you what the biggest thing that we've encountered in the first three years of Crossroads. Most of us, especially the pastor, came in with a misunderstanding and misconcept of what church is really supposed to be about 
and what he's calling his people to do. I've been a part of some amazing churches. That is not an indictment on any church. It's more of an indictment on myself and a lack of being in God's word. But you need to know that having a relationship with Jesus is not about legalism. It's not about not doing certain things. What it's about is understanding what do you want to be known for and what are you actually known for. And to start with the question of, you know what, I want to be known for things that are for me. What has always been for me? And you may just find that it's the same person that spat and made mud pies. Well, this story doesn't end there. It actually talks, if you finish this chapter, that Jesus comes up to this man and he, he starts a conversation with him and he says, do you want to believe in the Son of Man? And the blind man, looking at Jesus now, says, who is that man? And Jesus responds to him, it is I who am talking to you. And it says that he believed and he worshiped. Listen to me. Life can get extremely difficult sometimes. I mean, that's almost like the understatement, right? After the year we just went through. But the only thing that's more difficult than everything that you're watching is you trying to figure out what you want to be known for and it not including the God that's been for you the whole time. Some of you, if I say, what do you want to be known for? Well, I want to be known for blank. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's an occupation. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But is that the biggest thing you want to be known for? Like you want people to be like, wow, that's. Well, my children, I want to be known as a great parent. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it's all said and done and they move on and they become parents themselves. Is that still what you're going to be like living in? I'll give you a little helpful hint. I promise the thing that you want to be known for the most will be something that not only doesn't benefit just you, but the second hint, it will not be something that ever ends. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.